Hello, uh, listeners, and welcome to Sober Town. I am King 13, your host, driving the train to you today. And I'm going to be riding into the wonderful world of sobriety. And I just want to give a shout out, guys, because I joined the I Am Sober app. And a lot of the people that I talk to who bravely tell their stories, um, really, it is a fabulous app. I have made so many friends there. You can download it. It is for free. And it counts your alcohol-free days. So you move along a timeline with other people that start the same time as you do. You can post and comment and it really will just keep you on track and not make you feel like you are alone. And that is the most important thing and the reason why I do this. Also with Sobertown here, we have put everything that you will need together for you. It's a great resource, one-stop shop. We've just turned one and we have worked diligently here. We're all volunteers from the I Am Sober community to put what we have found for you out there. So please, when we're done listening to this, please go around and have a look. And uh, there's, you know, you can contact us and let us know your feedback. We would love to hear from you. Now today, I am at the moment going around different communities and it's really interesting listeners because there's so much that we don't talk about that we are now starting to talk about and it's really exciting. I am, I'm coming up to 60 this year. And, you know, with even my parents, I look at my mom and I look at the history of what they went through and on my reflections of 16 months on Monday, I look around the community and I see a lot of hurt and I see a lot of torment and a lot of regret and shame in women particularly who are now have grown up children, have grandchildren and have never really been allowed to talk about this. So I just approached my um, guest today who is Peggy Cooney, the author of The Other Side of Alcohol. Welcome, Peggy. I'm really, really glad you're here. This is an important topic. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. So tell me, tell us what motivated you to write the book in the first place and give us a bit of background about yourself for those who don't know you. Sure. Um, I dabbled a lot in um, trying to stop. I knew that I knew uh, the last, actually it was a, let me start this way, is that I was, I didn't really have a drinking problem until I was in my fifties, which, you know, you and I are finding out is more and more common all of the time. Um, my kids were out of the house, um, and, uh, starting families of their own. And I just had a really super stressful job and I, you know, I'm a social worker. I worked at, with child welfare and, uh, adult protective services. And so I think that vicarious trauma, um, really kind of started to build up and I found myself in a position of being a whistleblower at work which which on top of the vicarious trauma that secondary trauma by witnessing other people's um, by witnessing abuse is that I think that was the straw for me and I I'm pretty stubborn and I I thought, well, I could leave, but no, I had two more years to get full retirement. So I put an app on my phone and I just dealt with it, but I didn't deal with it. And I, you know, I started coming home. Um, I get through the day and then I would come home and start drinking one too, and, until it really turned into almost a nightly bottle of wine. And so, um, and uh, I, you know, just to make it, not too long and drawn out. I got through those two, two years. I'm not even sure how I spent four months of that, that two years, actually on medical leave. My doctor took me out of work. Um, it was, it was, it was painful. And 
when I finally was able to retire, I, I, 14 days after I retired UC Davis, which is a university in California in the States, um, asked me to come to work for them and teach social work. So I was, it was a dream job. You know, the whole, the, the ability to teach social workers without the vicarious trauma. I didn't, I was no longer in direct practice. I was among colleagues that were um, innovators in their field. And, you know, as a side note, two of my favorite social workers come from Australia and New Zealand. Um, I love the way uh, their systems are so much better than the States. And um, in 2008, I got a service award out of 1,750 instructors and I had everything. And yet I couldn't put that glass of wine down. And I knew in 2018, I was in trouble. I knew I was in trouble. I wasn't ready to do anything about it, but I certainly knew when I had, my kids were married, I had grandkids, we had two houses. I was excelling in my career and yet I couldn't put the drink down. I told myself, you know, when I retire, I'm gonna stop drinking, you know, all those bargain things that we do with ourselves. And then in uh, about um, maybe not, not less than a year later, I, uh, there was a drinking incident at um, a family picnic after a family picnic, after a family reunion and where um, my drinking caused such a riff in my, in my house. Um, I had rented a house in uh, trying to make sure I'm not being vague about geographical areas because oh, you're in Australia. I'm sure a lot of people have heard Lake Tahoe, California. It's a beautiful. Um, Actually, I'm not in Australia. I'm in Miami and I spent oh, 15 years in San Diego. Oh, I, I know California very well. Oh, okay. I don't know why I think that. Why did I think that? Because of the accent. Oh. No one thinks I'm in Miami. I, mean, I went from California. That's so here. funny. Sorry. So maybe, go on, please. Maybe I need to edit all that out now. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah. So I'm getting to know you. <laughs> that's so funny. That's so funny. And um, so I was, uh, I, I didn't drink at the picnic all day. Right. Yeah. Um, didn't drink at all. Came home, drank a couple of shots after being in eight, eight hours of the sun. And um, I immediately went to my head. My husband threw a fit um, and my kids came home and, and uh, they heard him screaming at me and it was ugly. It was, it was super ugly. My son went after my <clears throat> husband. Um, my son-in-law had to pull him off. Uh, this is all in front of my two sets of uh, twin grandchildren. And my husband left with no intention of, of, uh, of coming back. So that's kind of where, <laughs> where that then, shit is. I feel like I'm rereading the book because that's exactly what you said in the book too. And that, Wow, that day must have been just like the next morning when you woke up, you know, we've all done it thinking, now how do I puzzle this back together? Mm -hmm. And you're right, because of that heat and women process alcohol so much quicker than men and, you know, with no food, the heat. And, yeah, that was a, we've all done it. We've all done it, the recipe for disaster and drinking. Cause you, I, and see, the thing was, I was different. I would have just drunk at the party. I didn't hide it. I was terrible. Everybody knew around me as well. And I wasn't, um, yeah, 
you know, I wasn't the girl that put it in the closet or, no, it was just out there and it's always been out there because I drank every day for 40 years. Mm-hmm. So nobody's known me sober. Yeah. So it's a different ball game. Whereas you started in your 50s, your body and brains had saying thank you, Peggy, because you, uh-huh. you know, you're in a much better bounce back condition and your pause is probably, you know, already set in and you're good, whereas I'm probably going to take, you know, a little bit longer. I said, I don't know if you've ever seen that visual of the spiral when you go down and we end up and then you come out of it. Yeah, I'm on the rise. I can feel it. Yeah. Oh, right. Great. Yeah. And it's very it's very difficult. Yeah, so but the good, the good news is things <clears throat> get better. So go on. And your husband's name's the same as mine. So I, oh, as that's I'm, right. reading, I remember when we I'm going to have a nodding. Yeah, anyway, so at this point, the whole family's involved when you get up the next day. Yeah, well, not, I mean, we're a blended family. He has two daughters and yeah. um, they weren't there. It was just, it was just two of my kids. And, and I was, I couldn't have hated myself anymore. I mean, I was full of self-loathing. I went, um, uh, I went to bed. Uh, my son made me go to bed. And I woke up the next day and I, you know, I don't even know if I slept at all that night, really. And um, I went out, you know, in that walk of shame into the, into the living room. My daughter just said, mom, if you want, if you want to have the kind of relationship you want with Jason, me and the kids, you have to do something about your drinking. And it was like my heart. I knew, I already knew, I, I already knew it on some level that, that this was it. I mean, I, you know, up to that point, Lindsay had made a lot of excuses for me, like, mom, you have to eat when you drink or, you know, the, the times that I've, you know, been drunk before she kind of made excuses, but this time was, I pushed her over the edge. And they went to the beach that day, thank God. And my, um, my younger son stayed with me, but I went, I went into the bedroom and I just got down on my knees and just said, I'm, you know, I am, I, like I said, I couldn't have hated myself any more than I did. Yeah. Yeah. It's an awful position to be in when you wake up like that and you just think, how did that happen? That's what I used to think. And what would scare me is because in different times, but of late, you know, through COVID was when I stopped. And when I was, I know the isolation and the loneliness and moving from San Diego and being here with nobody and then having a husband who was working and all of a sudden when I stopped work, I can understand why people feel lost. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's it's so much a part of your identity and that's really not right. (laughs) we're so much more you know but as you said you had the family and everything so go on keep keep going please yeah and so I I literally got down on my knees and I'm I'm about the most opposite of a woo-woo person on the planet but Mm. honestly I really heard this voice a very quiet voice that said Peggy you're done but you're going to be okay and I was things just worked that day I mean not worked now that I look back on it they worked Um, but you know, the kids went to the beach and that gave me the opportunity to spend time with Brett. And we, you know, I had him take me to an AA meeting that night, even though I'm, I'm, I'm not much of an AA person, although, you know, again, they were there when no one else was. And, uh, they certainly 
welcomed me with open arms. Um, and I knew that that was the last day for me. I think I'm really fortunate in one sense that I, I was done drinking. That was, right. you know, the, the price was much too high for me to lose my daughter and my, and my grandkids. It was much too high a price to pay. Yeah. Look, it is, it's, it's a lot. And did you realise at the time that you wanted, like, that you had to do something about it? Like, or did you think, no, it's okay, I'm under control, I think I'm functioning, I'm fine? That was just a one-off? No, I, 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 I had several incidents before then, over maybe over a three-year period where um, I got too drunk at my daughter's best friend's wedding, who also, you know, who married our nephew, <laughs> you know, so there's that. Um, passed out at a Mother's Day at Lindsay's uh, mother-in-law's house, um, okay. uh, you know, at a Mother's Day party. So the, the grayouts and the blackouts were getting worse, um, which science-wise, you know, you, you know, if you know about grayouts and blackouts, um, I wasn't drinking more. So, you know, maybe one day I would be fine and get away with it. And then I drink the same amount of alcohol. And maybe the environment was different and, and mm. I would have a gray out or a blackout. Yeah, I used to think, I, I can remember in the end thinking, is this the is this the next is this next drink gonna be the one where I don't remember mm -hmm. before I go to bed? Because I was in the lounge room and it was just a matter of getting from the lounge to the bedroom. But and the crazy thing is the amount of times that I look back and think, I've been out and I know I had a good time. And even your partner says, oh, you're off talking to everybody and you seem like you're functioning just fine. You're not slurring, you're not falling. And yet he'd say, remember when you spoke to so-and-so and I would go, really? No. I'm thinking, you were talking to them for ages. And then I thought, wow. Yeah. You know, those, those lost moments are frightening. They are very scary. And I don't know why, you know, I had several of them before. And I, I hear this a lot from, from a lot of the women I work with. Yeah. But it just wasn't the end for them. Same. 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 And I love the moment when um, that resonated with me because I got to the point where I, in your book, I couldn't see myself in the mirror. I looked and I said, you know, Deb, where are you? I, I see nothing except the devil. Yeah. And I'm going to get you out of me. I just, I just remember thinking that. And for That's strong, beautiful. independent women like we are, it is extremely frustrating that this was something I could not control. Yeah. I still feel that way. I mean, I, I, I will never me. go back to drinking. But I, you know, when I, when I see, you know, like even my daughter, hopefully it'll stay that way, you know, that she has, she has uh, two glasses of wine. It takes her all night to drink them. Um, I hope she stays that way. Um, you know, uh, but I, I wasn't like that. Even when I wasn't drinking, you know, when, before I, I started to have a drinking problem, I was still a binge drinker. I didn't, I didn't really drink until I was 21. And then I, you know, I only drank socially. We didn't keep alcohol in the house. 
um, at all. Maybe at the very, you know, very end when we remodeled and I had to have that wine, that wine refrigerator. But I, you know, it wasn't that important to me. It, it really was the, the numbing of that trauma, I think, that, that, that really set me off. And also, um, I love what you said about, I mean, men are so different. And my husband really played a part in it. I don't blame him for my drinking. But when I wasn't, I, I tried to talk to him about what was going on at work. And he's a, he's a financial analyst. Yeah. And I'm a social worker and, and to be able to try to talk to your spouse about like, you know, the whistleblowing and the, and the, the abuse of maybe, you know, like babies getting sexually abused. I mean, you know, I want to get into detail here, obviously, but I had no one to talk about it to. He wouldn't talk about it because it made him feel uncomfortable or when there was issues at work, he works in the corporate world. And government world is so different. If that makes it's it's so completely yeah. different that he'd say, "Well, go fix it. Go to HR. Tell them. <laughs> you know, just you know, just you need to take care of it. You're not yeah. strong enough. You know, you're not. You're not. not it's your fault that things are going this way. That's so problem solution, man. I've got one of them oh. under this roof, baby. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm an advertising salesperson. My husband is a quality assurance person and regulatory for a medical device company and Johnson & Johnson. So we are completely worlds apart. You know, he's like a, he, I always say, my God, you're like a, a barrister for the medical device, you know, division of FDA, you know, because it's all getting the product right before it gets to the hospitals, you know, and he deals with a lot of doctors and, of course, a lot of audits and things like that. But uh, I, you know, you said that your Paul actually, you know, got angry with you. Mine would be, mine wouldn't. And that's, I always said to him, why didn't you ever say anything to me? And, ladies, if yours is being quiet, this may be the reason why. And he said you wouldn't have stopped. You would have told me where to go. And he's probably right. And he said, I couldn't stop you anyway. And he couldn't. Nobody can stop us. And that was the first lesson I learned. Everyone has to do it in their own time. Right. And it took me so long. But I'm, I got to the point where we did a lot of hard work. And I love what you said about continually having to forgive yourself. Mm -hmm. That is a really important point to anyone who's listening. Talk a little bit more about that because that's really important. Can you give me a point of reference? Sorry. No, but I was just going to say, when you said about, you know, that we continually have to forgive ourselves because yeah. it's so easy to go back and give ourselves the negative talk that we are used to. Now, I have, I, we have a program um, within Sobertown called Rewired, and it's a lady, Erica Spiegelman, who wrote the book. And it's about rewiring your brain, but it's like a whole soul makeover, and we hold classes for it that mm -hmm. are, you know, complimentary. You can just get online and through the app and or through the website and do them. I love it. And again, host hold them. But it's about, you know, we do things like boundaries, um, relationships, mm -hmm. um, just all sorts of different things that are just a whole soul makeover. And it's really good stuff because you can go back to it again and again and again and reevaluate where you are on self-improvement. I know you also said like the first year for me was just don't drink. Mm -hmm. And I have worked, I do this, 
10 to 15 hours a day every day my husband even said to me the other day are you ever going to spend time with me again no my husband asked my husband asked that's that why I said it, you'd get it oh he's just like uh you have a meeting tonight now he's like how many meetings do you have tonight that's or, it oh it's Wednesday it's your meeting night you know so it's yeah definitely um I'm, yeah I'm sober obsessed to the point I have a whiteboard he just says to me can you put your zooms on the board for the day? No, that's great. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, I teach, um, you know, about half time. So, you know, it, it, sometimes it makes it worse because I, I feel like I have two jobs right now, but on forgiving myself, I, I, when you do the work, the work is, you know, um, I started out with sober sis who's out of mm-hmm. uh, Fort Worth, Texas, uh, when I went into my room after Lindsay asked me to do something about my drinking, um, funny with algorithms, but her advertising popped up on my Facebook, like right then, right then, um, Jen and her dog, Franklin, she has a a golden doodle or labradoodle. And I signed up immediately. I just signed Mm -hmm. up immediately. And, And her program is really cool in the sense that it, you know, that 21 day reset, I think it was $97, but what they, what she does is she puts you in a group with, um, 25 other women. And it was that Marco Polo, it was kind of a video walkie talkie. And, and I got on and made a video like within five minutes of paying for that program. And I'm still friends with those women. I don't think that I could have done what I did without that connection it was so important it was it was so important and we all look like freaking deers and headlights you know I still Mm -hmm. have my my first video that I made on July 12 2019 but it's that you know we we know Johan Hari you know the opposite of addiction is connection and um that was so magical because when I I felt like there was, you know, times where nobody understood me, but those women, no one. And I don't think anybody did. Paul was still gone. My husband had left, you know, he left for about six weeks. And even when he did come back, he was flipping, you know, I don't know if I should stay here. And, you know, that, you know, and um, yeah, it was so forgiving myself really came with, with, um, learning about me as a person as far as you know I I really been through a lot in my life but I I've been that kind of person and I'm pretty sure you can relate to this is that nothing to see here I'm okay and I remember telling my therapist you know I lost a I lost a child and and my mom and my dad all within 18 months when I was 19 and yet the first thing and I never Um, I did, I did go to therapy when I was 19 and I just remembered this. My therapist hit on me. He talked about how beautiful I was and started to come over and touch me. And I ran out of his office. So that kind of spoiled me for therapist for a while. I just remembered that happened. And, and so I grew up with, I'm okay. Nothing to see here. So none of that 
none of that grief, none of that trauma that I went through was ever processed. And I remember my first really good, I, I team with the psychologist. I love her so much and I'm a social worker, so I can pretty much bullshit any therapy therapist that I see, but she wouldn't let me. And the first thing I said to her was, I don't know why yeah. I'm like this because I have everything. And I said, if that, all those things, losing my baby and my mom and my dad, if that didn't happen to me, I wouldn't have what I have now. And she goes, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's true. But simple stories are not, simple stories get you to pick up that glass of wine. Yes, that didn't happen to you. And no, you've never processed it. And now that's the work we're gonna do. And that's when I started forgiving myself. Mm -hmm. She is amazing. She's amazing. Just yeah, I was going to say now, Peggy, we're going to tackle the whole middle bit of all that because, you know, the whole middle had just been rainbowed over and yeah. we can't, can we? And, I, you know, and isn't it interesting now that we're older, we're wiser, we have the reflection to be able to, I'm connecting, I'm at the point like you can connect back to that and I'm so sorry for your losses because I was reading it and I was just, I don't have biological children and I tried and, and I always thought, you know, I know why. I've always had a bit of a blame of <laughs> the body was not ready. My oven was no good. It was broken, you know, and I started tried at 40. I didn't get married till I was nearly 40. So, you know, I do understand, but to, compared to your trauma is nothing. You were so young and not only just yourself but your parents were gone as well and I'm thinking how does this how did you cope you know like who was there for you at that tender age you barely legal yeah I just read something um again I'm writing an art I wrote an article kind of a tribute to my mother because um my mom you know drank too and, but I didn't know my mom drank, which was really weird because my mom, I didn't know she drank. I just knew that whenever I walked in the door, I didn't know what mom I was going to encounter. Yeah. When, mm. I almost wish, that, you know, I have two brothers that are older than I am, 10 years older about, and one that's 10 years younger. So I, my older brothers kind of cleaned up after my mom. And I almost wish that, and I've told them this, it's not, you know, you can't fix history, but, um, if they would have told me she was drinking, I would have been better off. Like if I knew that that's what was causing this Jekyll and Hyde behavior, I probably wouldn't have said, God, what am I doing to piss off my mother? You know? So it's um, so true. Isn't how we blame ourselves. We think that we're the ones responsible. Do. Yeah. Yeah. Kids always do. Always. I think because we, and I, you know, in my eyes, my mother, even though she's not with us, she could never do no wrong. It didn't matter what she did. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. I adored her, you know, she was my mother. And I think that's the beautiful thing. We, we do, we all want our mothers to just love us and adore us. And my mother was not a hugging woman by any means. Um, yeah, I don't know. They say that actually when you have, and maybe you could help me with this, you're the expert, but when you have trauma, you tend to have more empathy when you grow up sometimes. Like I find that, you know, in the, in the TLC meetings, and I've been going now for about a month, and, you know, I love it. When people 
release and tears and all that, that's terrific. I call them like little resets. You know, you can start again and get on with life. We need them. The body's yeah. saying we have to get, you know, we have to get this done. But it actually washes cortisol out of your cells. Yes. There you go. Yeah. And I was going to say, I know because, you know, I love it because you know all about the neurons and the new <laughs> pathways. Yeah. And this is what Rewired's all about too, you know. We can't destroy the old pathways. They're still there, people. But the good news is you can build a new highway and bypass. Yeah. And I always say, yeah, construction work in progress. You know, like the signs on the freeway, I'm just in my lane and I'm going nicely in cruise control and I'm trying to pick up extra information, you know, as I'm traveling around my sober world, my sober universe. But the women. analogy. That's a beautiful analogy. And uh, it's, it's so true. And you know what's so beautiful about that is that I'll be 70 in two weeks and we learn until we die. I love it. That's been my biggest gift is, you know, again, working for the university and one of our instructors is a neuro, uh, neural, uh, neuro neuroscientist or something. Anyway, when, when I went sat in her class and, and she's talking about the fact that we, we always create new neuro, neuro pathways, you know, neuroplasticity, if I can say it right. But um, yep. that's, it's so beautiful, you know, that we really, the only, the only time we're going to stop learning is when we go somewhere else. So. Yeah. And I made amends to not only my dog, but to my body because the body is so kind to us and so oh. is the brain. And I have treated it so badly and why, we, we hurt ourselves the most. And why do we do that? Well, as long as we did, you know, the fact that you go through all, all this time, value, not valuing yourself, but in a business sense, I never came across that way. I was totally confident. Oh, but I that was never going to deal with the emotions. You know, it happened, get over it, you know, move on with life. You pick yourself up, you dust yourself off and off you go until I'm at the end of the bottle when I'm here. But, again, I wouldn't change any of it. I don't regret anything. I actually welcome it all now because I have the most beautiful friendships that I have ever had, both at home and in my sober world. And I've been very lucky to maintain my friendships that I've had since 12, 13, 14, um, and they've stood wow. by me because I think that they, even though I was very high-functioning like yourself, they know you're a good person at heart, and most of us really are in this, all these communities really good people mm -hmm. and the substance is just shit <laughs> Sorry. it's the substance it's we get so you know? and understanding that i we all think it's our fault it is not our fault it's like heroin cocaine it's another addictive substance have enough long enough here we are and you know again which could be at 50 more shows is once the alcohol industry uh, mm. decided to model tobacco in its marketing towards women, I mean, I, I can, it's not in my book, but I do remember just when, when my youngest was in high school, trying to down um, uh, white Zinfandel wine. I mean, trying to get it down my freaking throat and yet that was, that was the beginning of marketing to women, heavily marketing to women. And it just took off. I mean, I was, there was a display in the store. I'll, I'll you know, won't mention the, 
the brand so you don't get sued, but there was a display of Midol sparkling rosé and um, chocolate at one of the end caps in the store that, mm. that I put here. And then last year there was um, a school supply that said, you know, you know how um, the stores have a section for school supplies and there was a end end cap or a big display of wine and it said mommy needs her school supplies too mm -hmm. oh we talk about this all the time and being in that having an advertising background i'm so aware but even here on the river you know the big screens go by and particularly we've got the ftx uh, grand prix or whatever it is race car thing going on in miami and all it's done is advertised it had five screens of liquor on it going up and down out to the bay you know anything from tequila to do to, to whatever alcohol was there. And I thought, you know, it's big pharma, big business, big money, big corporate, and we, and we can't get into that. But what I do like what you said, and I do believe you are right, and you, have, you, you get to see a lot of the world too from where you are, is that we, it is becoming a trend. It's, I do feel there's a shift. It is. It is. We had, um, at, I'm part of a, just part of a Sober in the City project. I have a friend who's, who's, this is the second Sober in the City that she's done in Sacramento on uh, May 21st. And I'm going to speak for that. But Carolina, I can't pronounce her name, uh, Rad, Radikowski. Um, oh, yeah. I'm going to, I murdered her name, but she's 34 years old. She was the keynote speaker in Long Beach at Sober in the City. And I'm telling you, um, Deborah, she, she just nailed it around how young people want to be more productive, more healthy. Um, and when you see a 34 year old, what's kind of funny when she says, I've been sober for four years, you know, like that's what a 10th of her life. <laughs> but it is definitely a trend. It's definitely, it's definitely trending. Yeah, I am seeing, look, I've got a stepdaughter who's 24 and she has Zippo interest and wow. she, you know, hikes and she does all the wonderful things and she's out in the world working full time, graduated from UCSB. She's in biotech, you know, biological sciences. She's just applying actually and waiting to hear from the university in Brussels to go there because they have a huge biotech wow. industry. Like she's just, and I think, oh my Lord, you know what, Deb, it doesn't matter that you didn't have your own because this girl makes up for more than any kid. Oh, it warms my heart. Yeah. I got blessed and she, um, my husband, and I've told this story many a time on podcast, my husband and 12 couples and his ex-wife went to China and picked up 10 baby girls and came back on the plane and um, Sarah still keeps in touch with about, I think four or five of the girls today, they catch up every now and again, even though they're spread out, which is beautiful. But the crazy thing, Peggy, is I actually worked in Shanghai, China, through two interpreters before I ever met my husband or ever met Sarah. And all my staff were from the, like, the province from where she was from. It was bizarre when I told him that. Yeah, I started in Hong Kong, went out to China, ended up in Singapore, met him in Malaysia. Yeah, funny, hey? Oh, you I never know that. what. When people, like, when, if I'm telling you, listeners, it's taking a chance. Someone said to me, hey, do you, how would you like to be the VIP manager for the program that's over in the Shangri-La Hotel? It's two-for-one dining card. And they, you know, it's a membership club. I packed up. I was gone in two weeks. I was living there, had a butler, was managing. You've got to take the risk, people. If you are single and you have opportunities available, 
please say yes more often. You never know where it will lead. Well, when you get when you get out in the world, I think that's one of the you know if I had to be an old person giving new people um, advice is when you can see the world through other people's eyes, through other people's lenses, through another culture, another country, it 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 just even reinforces how connected we are as people. It's exactly right. And I heard a beautiful saying actually in TLC about collective, is it collective strength you talk about? Or collect, what is, how does it go? They know. were saying about collective strength. And, and that's what it is. And you realise the unity, no matter what country we go to. And I had two interpreters and I still keep in touch with one today. She's in Taiwan. Wow. So even my interpreter didn't have very good English. But you know, 70% of communication is nonverbal, and I'm really good at it. I think it's so charades, yeah. <laughs> charades, rewards, and smiles and kindness go a long way. And they work so hard for me, more, me, much so, more so than any of my girls, even in Hong Kong or anything, or any of my staff. So I just think, you know, it's, there's just so much beauty out there now. And I, I have a saying, and people quote me all the time, where I say, my life used to be in grey and now it's in high definition. Yeah. I see the colours. I see everything. I take note of every single little thing. Lee, just, just mindfulness, like you say. And I go out and I spend time with mum and dad out there and I, I talk to them. And I have a little, I said today I posted something saying, um, oh, yes, when I look up, I think, yes, I know, it's you again. Do you know when I bump myself or something comes to me? I know that, you know, spiritually it's been a huge awakening. Yeah. I mean, I was always spiritual, but it's really growing. Do you find that? I wasn't. And, you know, I, I started out when I was still drinking with a life coach and she, you know, some of the activities were to, you know, go up in the mountains where, you know, we have a cabin and listen to the trees. And I'm like, you're crazy. That would have been I, me. I think, what was that? Maybe two months in, in my sobriety, and I was sitting in the hot tub. And we have aspen trees, which are actually kind of cool because they're all connected by their root system. And they're like kind of like silver dollar leaves that just make this incredible noise. You know, when there's a breeze, it just goes all the way through and... And I knew exactly, she tried to get me to be spiritual for five years. And once I got sober, I, I, now I go back and think about a lot of the lessons that I had with her. Um, and damned if I didn't, you know, hear the trees talking to each other and seeing them in a completely different light. Right. Yeah, it's lovely. I don't know. It's just like, oh, I woke up and there it all is. And, you know, when you understand, and that's where the Annie Grace book is, is terrific. And, look, we at Even Sober Town, look, this is a big pie and we're all in it. It's a big community, whether it's Annie, Laura, us, somebody else, you know, Craig Beck, because I spent my first year just reading clip, you know, Quit Lit and just YouTubing mm -hmm. and just following people because I was on my own for the first three months and it was difficult, mm -hmm. hardest thing I've ever had to do. And I have a healthy fear of never going back. And that's one thing, even though I have tools and I have learned so much and we have so much on Sober Town because we talk about, we have a, a guy, Todd, and he's very, he's got a science mind and he talks about what happens to the body and brain. And once you understand what the substance actually is made of and what it does to you, 
you might think twice about picking it up and wanting it inside of you. And no, I had no it. concept for a smart girl. Yeah, you None. can't you can't unknow it. You you just can't unknow it. What how what does your husband think about you now 16 months in? What what does he say? Not much. Yeah. <laughs> No, no, he doesn't say much at all, actually, <laughs> not to me. And that's why I say to the other ladies, because we have smaller women's groups, which uh -huh. are terrific. And this is what I'm saying. We've built this support. We used to have one women's Zoom. Now we've got five a week. Plus we have mixed and ladies and men's. And I was hosting a lot. And now we've, we've got the other wave of people coming through and taking over. Gee, it's blossoming. It's just terrific to see people get involved. And once people come in, shy and you see them blossom and then they're involved in groups and then they've got their own group and then they're supporting and it's like I said you know you've got a million sponsors within these apps no matter what app or what community mm -hmm. someone will always help you I mean TLC I've got to hold back from throwing out the phone number you know because everyone's so willing to help mm -hmm. um but we we do breakout rooms in our Zooms. We do breakout rooms of four. Yeah, I'm a breakout so, fan. So. Yeah, that's where I believe our magic happens. And that's where I think we are a little bit different. But we don't get 200 where it's, you know, hard to manage. Yeah. Well, and breakout rooms really are the great uh, introvert equalizer, right? Yeah. But, um, I even find, you know, because right now, um, next week is my first in-person training um, since... Uh, yeah. 2000, April of 2020. Um, but I've made that, which I can see with you, honestly, um, I can tell that you're the same way. I've really made that, that transition with Zoom. Um, and I was, when I first realized that I had to teach on Zoom, I, I, you know, I cried my eyes out and told a few colleagues I was going to quit, but I'm so grateful that I hung in there with it because I, you know, yeah. our first lesson, I ended up pushing a button and I think I, I went to oh. China and couldn't find my way back. And I'm like, I'm it's not doing this. There's no freaking way I'm doing this, but look, look at the fact that you and I are talking to each other. Yeah. Zoom's is safe. Zoom's, Zoom's gave me 16 months. It's insane. Yeah. It's insane. I know, right? And it's just, and it's great for on personal levels too. You can talk to your family. You can see your grandkids. You could have a broken leg in bed and still be able to get to them. You we know? do. It's we terrific. have three, you know, we have three grandchildren in, in France. And, you know, yeah. it's, it's like, you know, they come here every summer, but, it, but it's not like we, we have to get to know each other every summer because they, you know, we Zoom with them all the time. And I, I, you said here too that the, the average person spends, spends two years being hungover. I, I, I went, wow, you know, my eyes were lighting up at night thinking, that's so much, you know, these, these things that we, the things that we do, and we all know that retail sales are up on alcohol, you know. I, I always say you know, I've, I've got great concern for the aftermath of COVID in the sense of I don't think we've seen the iceberg. Um, it's very sad out there at the moment. I know a lot of people whose children are struggling and yeah. particularly the ages of 20 to 25. Yeah. I have a niece who works in DHS in Australia. She's 25. She's fantastic at her job. She's the one that goes out and does the tough stuff, the case study stuff. She's just been promoted and she loves her job. But she's half German, half Australian, so she's very, you know, looks great and then but you can't mess with her 
I can't mess with her and she's 25. So she's perfect for the job and she loves it. But again, they do their best, as you would know, to keep it all intact. But we have a, an enormous drug problem out where the areas that she's at in Australia and it's rampant and people are becoming so dependent globally. I see people from, because we have global Zooms, Canada, UK, Australia, America, it goes on, you know, Spain, Ireland. We're no different, Peggy. We're all in this together. So we have to help each other. We have to get the message out there. And as I said, nobody has to feel as alone. as uh, The day I started, I thought it, I pretty much thought this is the beginning of the end. I was going to die just with a glass of man. Oh, I, I couldn't see a way out. I couldn't see a way out. I couldn't see that there was going to be this life. And wow, that's all I can say. I can't believe it's 16 months. But I've also been in a little bubble here away from all my drinking friends, let's mm-hmm. per se. So it's going to be interesting when I get back to Australia, but we'll tackle that. I'm, I play it forward. I'm, you know, I'm armed. I'm the one that's the warrior. Every time I post, I've got my sword and shield and, you know, I know where to keep him. I know where to keep that attic voice. Yeah. Oh, my gosh, you're adorable. Well, thank you. <laughs> that's really right. sweet. It's good to know that I'm learning things because I thought, oh, I'm going to learn so and I will. I'm going to learn so much from Peggy because you can't get away now, <laughs> you know, and you've helped so much, as I said. But then I always think, well, who counsels the counsellor? Mm-hmm. Who counsels the therapist? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I know now there's a lot of people even within our um, community who are, and God bless them, becoming therapists and, you know, studying to be counsellors. Mm-hmm. But but the professional people need help too. They're just. Uh, I'm so lucky because, again, my university has been. Let's see, I told my director, um, the, the chair, a year in. I told her what was going on because none of my colleagues knew anything. Mm, yeah. Nothing. They were. Right. In fact, it's so funny because they, they, when they read my book, they're like, I remember when you said you went to a women's retreat, and that was when you went to that first. Um, sober cis retreat you know, yes. that they're they're trying to work backwards and see or like oh is that when you were double booking your classes you know or whatever but <laughs> but there is so much abuse eating disorders substance abuse disorders spending sex relationship disorders because when people have secondary trauma when they when they experience trauma on a daily basis and they can't put it anywhere, they have to put it somewhere. And that's mm-hmm. when they turn to those things to not feel, right? And women tend to drink not to feel anyway. And so in uh, July, June, um, the second week of June, I actually get to present my book at a social work conference and I get to tell them about my story. So, you know, up to now, we, you know, what we try to do for self-care is like, oh, you get to paint all day long on a, you know, on a Thursday, but, and it'll be interesting because I was there. I'm not as bad as that person. I'm not that person. At least I haven't, do you know what I'm saying? Like before, before I stopped drinking, I would compare myself with everyone else and say, I'm not as bad as they are. So it'll be interesting if my message comes across because I'm starting out with the message as, you know, of, of experiencing trauma and having a, an outlet like 
drinking, eating, smoking, whatever it is. And I'm just going to say all those are possible, but my story is alcohol because I, you know, I don't want them to go, Oh my God, I don't have a drinking problem because I'll tell you, because we did a survey three years ago, at least 60% of them do. Gee, you know, you're so right. And I just did a podcast actually with um, one of our members' husbands. She's very, the wife is very involved in the community as well. Viv and her husband, Armin, sat down and talked to me about cross addiction. And it is a real, real thing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's so funny. Again, until you get into it and the onion starts unraveling and, and, wow, it's the second year this emotional sobriety is, you know, facing things and I and I think you know I to myself oh well, I ran I ran to Hong Kong you can't run away from yourself and I say that all the time too no, like 20, you, 20 years running I mean mm. and there's it's so many of us in different in different um uh careers but I was literally teaching social workers how to work with families with addiction and going home and drinking a bottle of wine well you're not the only one you know that and, no, you're not the only one. It's the so prevalent, but horrible. But we're not talking horrible. about it, you know. We we don't talk about it, and I mean, God bless the people who can moderate. You know, I'm almost envious because I don't do anything in moderation. So I should have known back That's then. Funny you say that because I, you know, I I think I have a have words in my book that say that I. I, I, I drank 150% and I'm getting sober 150%. It's just, I don't do things half-assed. I never it's, have. And most of us that have, have problems with alcohol didn't either. Right. So. Yeah. As I said, I've done 20 Zooms this week and I've got, <laughs> I've got another couple after this today. But I love it. I am this, I'm just sober obsessed. Like, I just love this stuff. And, you know, my sister, God bless her, I've got to thank her for it. She recommended the Annie Grace book and I'm just like, and even my relationships with my siblings are so much better and I haven't even seen anybody sober. Nobody's seen me. Nobody close to me has seen me sober. I haven't been home in three years, so it's going to be. That's really good for you, though, because my family doesn't, my little brother stopped drinking. My oldest brother has been sober for 35 years. But, you know, I still think my family doesn't really know how to be around sober Peggy. You know, it's like, it's just an adjustment. You know, um, yeah. even my sister-in-law is like, how could you air your dirty laundry like that by writing a book? And I said, have you read it? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's not about you. <laughs> it's about- I was gonna say, change the angle. You know, like you gotta come at it looking, can you cross the bridge and look back? People just don't. I think I think a lot of people like me drinking. Mm. You know, my husband certainly, you know, likes. I'm not. I'm being facetious, but um, you know, he he just walks in here half the time and says, "Who am I married to?" Because I don't. Well, I'm so different now. You know. Well, I asked my husband. I said, "Am I different?" He said, "No." So I don't think I'm different either. That's great. No, I just I, don't I repeat myself because I would drink. Mm, I was never, when I was young, I'd party a lot out for sure. But then with the corporate world, I was always in bed early because I had to get up early and I had to be on the road all day 
right. and I knew that I couldn't have alcohol. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I've always been, and you said you love your bed. I love my bed. It is oh, my God. I, I, uh, the sun sets in this, in this room here. I am in here. It's all set up, and I sit here and journal and read from 6, 6.30 at night. You want to find me? The lounge room's yours, you know, because we don't watch the same shows. He watches Fox, and I don't want to watch Fox all day and politics and all that. So I come in here and do what I do and journal and get on my meetings. And then I turned a year and he said to me, oh, so does that mean there's no more meetings? <laughs> I said, um, no. He said, well, you just write them on the board when they are. I said, okay. And you go to golf and we're fine. So, look, I mean, I think I said to him, I think I might ask him to read the Annie Grace book. I think I know someone who did that. And well, I, my husband, I was you too, right? Yeah, yeah he, single, he single-handedly credits Annie Grace for um, saving our marriage. He, he, I mean, he, he wrote the last chapter in my book and said Annie saved our marriage. So that's yeah. how, that's how um, I ended up on Annie Grace's podcast because I wrote to her and said that my husband said, you're the reason you and William Porter from Alcohol Explained are the reason, you know, uh, he came back because he chose to understand addiction over leaving. And, um, and so that's why she interviewed me uh, a couple weeks ago. So. And that's lovely for you. I'm so glad because I adore her and I really related to her because we had similar backgrounds. Do you know what I mean? Just her being yeah. the marketing woman. Yeah. And I, I knew sort of, yeah, okay. Laura McCowan's like that too. She has. Yeah. Well. And so when I found them like, oh, there's people like me. <laughs> yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, and now it's the deeper we dive into it, the more people we come across. We realise we're, we're quite a big community, aren't we? We're, we're uh -huh. growing by, and what I get so impressed about, what I love is that I'm seeing some younger folk come through too. And so they get plenty of support with when they come through our doors and into the Zooms and whether, you know, it's just everything's there now that, we, that I didn't have when I started and it just makes me feel so good because it fills my soul to know uh -huh. that, it does. And, you know, the, I guess the last thing, you know, I would say about that, because I could talk about what you're talking about uh, till next week, maybe longer. But isn't it beautiful with people that that there's so much division between young people and older people? And it seems like recovery has made a connection where there's no age difference. Like I, you know, I'm close to some people I met in TLC and and sober sis and Ola sober and you know they're young or they're my age or they're you know they're my kids age and um they're they're just it breaks through all that weirdness about being older and being boring and all of that so it's it's really beautiful like you know even in the beginning I was like you want to be friends with me I could be your mother you know but it's, it's not about that, though, is it? It's not about that. Yeah. And the thing is, you know, I've always been young at heart and so was my mum. Uh, my mum had me at 22. And 
just there is no barriers that's what i love we're all just the same it doesn't matter who you are where you come from there's no getting to know you the bonds there we trust each other it's a safe space and that's when i said those little and i'm a one-on-one girl when i love those little breakout rooms yeah and it's like going home you know and the thing is people when i turned up believe you me it was not like that the first time i went into a zoom i was like oh god who are these people what am i going to do they know each other and here i am you know what it's not like that. We think it's first day of school, and it is for one time. And the next time you go back, you'll have welcomes and this and that. And all of a sudden, I decided to do a little experiment where I thought, I'm not going to go to Zoom for one week because I was going every day multiple times. Well, well, well. I found my dopamine went down. I was flash. And I thought, I'm getting visions of the old times, and I'm. And it was such a beautiful experiment because I realised how important and integral, how I just needed them so much. Mm-hmm. And it was like I've never, I never thought I needed people that much and you do, you really do. And I couldn't do it without the community. Mm-hmm. I, I know that for a fact. And we all say the same thing and, and, you, and that's what I'm grateful for, just being here today, you know. Yeah. So I don't know if there's anything else you want to add for the listeners, but it's been so much fun. The time's just gone. I know. uh, Yeah. You can tell. I mean, the platform's yours if there's anything else you want to share. Well, I just, uh, you know, I have a Facebook page and it's um, uh, uh, this side of alcohol. We have, I think we hit 16,000 people this morning. Um, Congrats. You know, I'm on Instagram and then I'm, I think that's really it. I just, um, you just, you just, it, you can't do this thing alone. Right. Right. Deborah. And I just, you're lovely. I really appreciate you having me on every time. I just feel like, oh my gosh, you know, they're doing this. And, um, I just feel like I found my purpose and I know, I know my purpose is, uh, is showing people that you can have a wonderful life sober. And plans for number two book? I am working on a sobriety mapping tool um, that comes out of social work. So uh, more to come on that. Um, I do have a, a, you know, a website to the side of alcohol. And um, just, a, just for fun, uh, we just put a pillowcase up there that says hitting my head on the pillow silver tonight. So <laughs> I'll send you one. I'll send you one. You need to after give me your address and I'll I'll send you there the cutest thing ever so thank you no no thank you it's been a pleasure so listeners we're just going to say goodbye we're pulling into the train station um please as I said go and have a look at everything else around there's a book recommendations here you will see I think we've got over 200 and so podcasts and most of them are people's brave stories or topics that are being discussed so whether you're dealing with depression anxiety you need tools you're heading out socially and you don't know what to do and you need a plan, everything. We have covered so many topics um, that I'm pretty sure you'll find something there that you can use. So thank you. Um, This is King13 signing off. Would you like to say goodbye, Peggy? Goodbye. Thank you so much. All right, listeners, and I will be back with you very, very shortly. Take care and whatever you do, pour that poison down the sink. (laughs) Love it.